So let me tell you a little bit about our topic this morning. Our topic is the life of Moses. Most of the, the whole story will be found in Exodus. They'll reference different parts and pieces. What I asked him to do was to find a part of his life, uh, whether when he was, he was just born all the way to delivering the Israelites out of Egypt, and really find a part that resonates with where you're at in your life right now, because we communicate the best when we resonate out of our experiences, out of what God is dealing with us in right now. And that's what they're going to do. They'll step up, they'll introduce the topic, and then they're just going to blast right off into their message. And so this morning, it's our privilege to have Cheyenne Jones start us off. Would you welcome her to the stage? today. This morning, the six of us will each be sharing a message that we believe will touch your lives and leave you inspired. So the title of my message is Getting Rid of Your Excuses. And I want to focus on chapters three and four of Exodus. Now this is where we see Moses has an encounter with God in a burning bush. And God starts to share his heart with Moses. And he's telling him, my heart is breaking for the Israelites and I want them free. Because right now they're being slaved to the Egyptians. So God throws this huge curveball at Moses that I'm sure Moses did not see coming. He tells him, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to release my people. And Moses is like, nope, not me, not today. So God starts to give him every single detail that he needs. He tells him where he wants this to happen, how the message needs to be delivered. He even showed him a sign to show Pharaoh and the Egyptians that he was sent from God. But Moses still made an excuse. He said, I get tongue-tied and I cannot speak. And I believe that sometimes, just like Moses, we allow our circumstances to become our excuses. See, Moses pointed out his insecurities and his inadequacies, which determined the call on his life. And isn't that what the enemy does to us? He points out everything that's messed up with us. He thinks we're so messed up, we can't even see where God wants to take us or what he wants to do in us because of all of our flaws. And I'm telling you, the enemy cannot take your destiny, but he can distract you. He will distract you from living out the full potential that God has planned for you. So what's your excuse this morning? Maybe it's I've lived in poverty all my life and I can't get out. But poverty is just a mindset. Maybe Pastor Stephanie approached you this semester and said, I see potential in you. You should lead a small group. And you straight up told her no. Because I'm not good with hosting people. I'm not good with my words. But God is trying to send somebody to your small group that he wants to set free. And he wants to use you to do it. I love in Exodus 3, 7, when God tells Moses, I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. See, Moses thought it was about him, but it was never about him. God wanted to use Moses to set his people free. And I believe that our excuses not only affects us, but others around us. So earlier this year, God spoke to me about fasting because I, I needed to get, draw closer to him. It was a hard season. And I was like, okay, God, I'll fast, but please don't let it be food because the struggle is real. 
But he spoke to me about something else that I would have never thought that I needed to focus on, and it was my physical health. And I'm like, but why? I thought it was in shape, but it was apparently the wrong shape. <laughs> and so I made excuses all my life. I knew that it was from God because I would have never said I need to go work out. My excuses are extreme. Like I cannot go get on that treadmill for five minutes. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Y'all better call 911. But I'm in a new season. A new season. And so God, I've been going to the gym four days a week, and I've been working hard. And through that, God began to show me that I let the disbelief in my heart stop me from getting better. That's why I believe that excuses are the nails that are used to build the house of failures. See, I didn't think I was capable of working out, so all of my I can'ts, I can'ts, I can'ts became a house, which led to me feeling like a failure. So now I just get up and do it. I do it because I want to live a long life. I do it because I'm starting to cherish the body that God has given me. And I've also learned that it takes a lot more work to make excuses than it does to just get up and do it. And we can constantly make excuses as to why we can't change our lives. But the truth is you can't. It is a mind thing. You have to believe for yourself. No one else can believe it for you. You have to believe that you can do it. I love that Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this morning, I want to encourage you to start to take your thoughts captive. I love when Pastor Jim says, I cannot quit. I will not quit. Quitting is not an option. And that that phrase was really birthed out of Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I believe that excuses are for those who don't want it bad enough. So I'm telling you, I'm asking you, what is your excuse this morning? I believe God is calling some of you to go to next steps. What's stopping you? What's stopping you from walking across the breezeway to start your journey of next steps? God may be asking some of you to join the Leadership Academy that's starting this Tuesday. But if we're honest, we've let money become a barrier. I would ask you, when was the last time you just said yes? You said yes and let God do the rest. Good morning, church. Today I'm going to be speaking to you about purpose and how regardless of how the world sees you and in the circumstances in which you were born, that God has created you for a divine purpose and destiny. In Psalm 139, verse 13, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And really, who better to use as an example of purpose than Moses? If you spent any time in church, you know that Moses is seen as a major hero of the Bible. That God actually used Moses to draw the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land. And you see, what I love about Moses is that he's so relatable. Moses had a rough beginning. Moses was born during a time when the Pharaoh was killing male Hebrew children. Because the Pharaoh was afraid that overpopulation would strip him of his throne. And so Moses' Moses's mother, like any mother, couldn't fathom the thought of her child being murdered. And so she hid Moses for three months. And when she could no longer conceal him, she sent him down the Nile River. Now watch this, though. Moses was found by none other than 
the princess of Egypt, the Pharaoh's daughter. And so we see where the world thought Moses was a mistake, where the world thought that Moses was destined for his life to be over before it began, God marked him for a divine purpose and a divine destiny. And I wonder how many of you this morning feel like maybe you were born a mistake or into unideal circumstances. And you know, for me, Moses' story really resonated with me. You see, the world thought I was a mistake, that I was born to teenage parents. And so when my mom sought counsel, many told her to terminate her pregnancy because she had her entire life ahead of her to be a mother, but right now was the time for her to achieve her life's goals and focus on herself. But thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That my parents chose me. They chose hardship. They chose struggle. And they chose to delay their life streams to raise me so I can be here in front of you. And I share this with you this morning because I believe this paints such a vivid picture of how God sees all of us. That God chose each and every one of you here today. That he created you out of love and never necessity. And so what I want you to get in your hearts this morning so very badly is that God didn't need you. He wanted you. And even as you're in these seats this morning that God doesn't need you, he wants you. And there may be some of you who are sitting here today and you know that you're created out of love and you know that you have a purpose. But maybe you're being prevented from walking in that fullness because you're scared because of your inadequacies. And maybe it's past mistakes or maybe it's circumstances you were born into that you can't control. As a child of, a teen, of teenage parents, I had some obstacles I had overcome. And it wasn't because of anything that I had done. It was simply the hand that I was dealt. And, you know, Moses felt the same way. When he had the divine encounter with God at the burning bush, Moses brought all these feelings of inadequacy to God. But listen to what God says back to him. In Exodus 4.11, God says, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And so what God is saying here is, um, hello, Moses, listen up here. Dude, I created you. <laughs> I already know all the hairs on your head. I know your mistakes, your habits, and I know the circumstances you were born into. But what you have to get is that all of this was a grooming of the purpose that I have called you to. And so what you need to know this morning, regardless of how old you are or where you are in life, that God's call will always be greater than your circumstance. And so now as I get ready to close, I really want to read you this verse. And this is God talking to Moses in Exodus 3.10. It says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And so God is literally revealing to Moses part of his purpose. But what I really want to ask all of you this morning is what is your Egypt? What is God calling you to be delivered from? What is God calling you to draw out of so that you can walk in the fullness that he has already called over your life? And so I'm going to give you two takeaways on how to be able to do this. The first is this, go to next steps. Pastor Jim always says that there's two greatest days of a person's life, the day they were born and the day they discover why. Well, you see, the moment that you walk through that next steps classroom door, that's the day you discover why God put you on this planet, how he created you, why he created you, and your purpose in life that he's called you to fulfill. But you see, that's the first step. But the real works once you've completed all the steps. Because our next steps never stop. And so the second thing you need to do is to continue to take your next step. 
And we do this by being in alignment with God. Pastor Phyllis gave an amazing message two weeks ago on hearing from God and recognizing his voice. And really it's keeping your heart and your mind open to him. So when he says move forward, move forward, when he calls you to a place you don't think that you can go, that you still go in faith because he has called you to something greater. And even when you think that you've gotten to that next step and you've accomplished it, we know that God is a God of abundance and so he's called you to more. That he will far surpass your expectations, that your purpose is farther than you can see and is greater than you can imagine. And so if you don't remember anything else that was said this morning, what every single one of you needs to get in your heart and know is that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. Well, good morning, church. I'm so excited to get to speak to you today. I really just wanted to... <laughs> I really just wanted to talk about Moses and the Israelites. So we're going to jump into Exodus chapter 15 because this really just reminds me about how important our attitudes are. You see, Moses and the Israelites just got delivered from Egypt and they are so grateful. Like they walk through all kinds of crazy situations, right? And then they had this strong, strong start and they had an amazing attitude. And let's check out exactly what the attitude looked like. So in Exodus chapter 15 verse 1, it says this. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Now this song of deliverance keeps on going. Now look at Exodus 15, verses 20 through 21. It says, Then Miriam the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine and let all the women as they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, he has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. You know, this reminds me of us a lot of times, right? How many times have, has life been amazing and you're just so excited, right? You're walking around, I'm too blessed to be stressed, you know. I'm highly anointed and I don't want to be disappointed, all kinds of stuff, right? See, whenever you're just really, really having a good day, everybody knows it. You have all kinds of energy. Your face has a big smile. But it's just so crazy when life is good, you're very, very cool about things. But whenever the struggle starts to come, that's when your attitude goes first. You know, if you look later into the chapter, in Exodus chapter 15, verses 23 through 26, we really start to see how the Israelites went from starting off strong and then they started falling off. And I'm not going to read it all, but in, in, the, in the bottom part of chapter 15, pretty much Moses takes the Israelites through this desert of Shur. And they're on a three-day journey, and they're, they're in this desert, and they're trying to find water. And then God brings them to, to this oasis of Mara, and they drink of the water, and it is bitter. And all the people begin to complain and turn against Moses. You see, I believe that they focused on the problem and not the provision. You see, God provided for their needs, but they were so focused on the problems. In Exodus chapter 15, verses 24 through 25, it reads like this. So Moses cried out to the Lord, help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood and Moses threw it into the water and this made the water good to drink. You see, church, I believe that Moses focused on God and that's what happened to bring the provision. You see, I believe that your focus on God defines your attitude. I know sometimes in life we may feel tired or overwhelmed or frustrated, but your attitude determines your destiny. And I also know this, let's not, lock, let's not let these same traps make us fall into the same complaining traps that the Israelites went through. 
You see, God literally delivered them out of Egypt from Pharaoh, but later on they soon started complaining. God delivers them through the Red Sea, but guess what? They just start complaining again. God literally provides a manna from heaven to give to them, but soon after that they start complaining again. How many times do we do the same thing? You know, maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to go to 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? And I'm going to just pray for God for this job. I need to break through my finances. And you're praying, you're fasting. You might even be dancing like Miriam, you know, with your tambourine. And then you're sitting and then God blesses you with the job. But soon after you get hired, you start complaining about how hard they work you, right? How they don't give you no vacation time when you were on vacation the whole time before you had a job, right? You know, how many times do we do the same thing? Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'm just praying for a car in this season because I believe that, God, that God's going to put me in ministry full time. I just need to get from point A to point B. And you're praying for this car and God brings you a blessing, but then you start complaining that your car smells weird, right? Or your car doesn't get good gas mileage. Or anytime you're on the highway driving 60 miles an hour, your car makes this crazy like humming sound, right? You know, and there's, maybe you're even a student. You've been praying for, like, Lord, I need to get into school. I passed all my tests. I've, I've done everything I can. You get accepted, and then as soon as you get into school, you start complaining about how tough it is. You know, that's what it, why I always just realized that we can all easily fall into this trap of complaining. And that's what I love about, about this, this verse right here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know, so how do you change your attitude? This is what you do. Start, start journaling daily. Write down one thing that you're grateful for. And I guarantee you might say, I'm grateful for my sight. I'm grateful for my taste. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for everything in my life. And then what you'll realize is that you'll have a list and I'll have a list. And mine, mine won't look like yours. Yours won't look like mine. But we will both agree that we have plenty of things to be grateful for. And in Psalms chapter 9 verse 1 it reads like this, I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart, and I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. You see, in life, we, can all ex we will all experience the goods and bads, but we have the ability to choose what attitude we have. And last but not least, I want to leave you with this quote. This is from John C. Maxwell. He says, your attitude determines your altitude. Thank you so much, Anchor Ben. Good morning, everyone. Today I'm going to talk to you about the power of a comeback and how God used a setback for something greater. So in the beginning of Exodus, Moses had noticed that the Egyptians were beating up on his Hebrews. He felt like he needed to do something about it. So later that day, he went down, he killed the Egyptians and hid both of them under the sand. Well, the next day, as Moses was walking around, minding, those, minding his own business, he saw two of his own Hebrews fighting one of another. So he goes and he questions them. He says, why are you fighting one of another? And the Hebrew turns and looks at Moses and replies to him. He says, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you going to kill us like you killed the other Egyptian? So Moses is afraid and he flees Egypt before Pharaoh finds out and tries to kill him. Well, how many of you ever made a bad decision? Y'all ran away from and didn't face the consequences. Or y'all ran away from God and didn't turn to God. Well, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of self-control. God doesn't want you to be afraid during those situations. God gives us these periods because God wants you to have grace for your race. Whatever race you're running right now, God wants you to have grace for it. Because setbacks, they're going to come in life. But the question is, how are you going to come back from it? 
Are you going to let it be a burden on you or use it as a turning point in your life for something even greater? <laughs> Moses fleeing Egypt was his setback. Well, it goes back in Exodus 3 and said that after Moses fled, he had an encounter with the burning bush. Although the bush was on fire, it was not burning up, so Moses went to go check it out. As Moses got closer, he hears someone call out to him, Moses, Moses. After Moses realizes it was God, God tells Moses that he knows his people are getting treated badly. He knows they're getting treated cruel, and he doesn't want that for them. So he calls Moses to go back and go save them from the, from the uh, Egyptians beating them up. But look what God, uh, Moses replies back to uh, God in Exodus 3.11. Who am I that I shall go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But look what God replies back to him. But I will be with you, and that shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. See, God doesn't call you somewhere and expect you to do it alone. He will be with you. When you seek him first over everything, nothing is impossible. That's why you must have your prayer time every morning. Seek God first in the morning and the first part of your day every day. The Bible says in Matthew 19, 26, with man this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. When God called, when God called Moses, he equipped him with the resources to do it. He showed Moses signs of his power by turning Moses' staff to a snake. He gave Moses leprous and healed him on the spot. He turned water into blood on the ground right before Moses' eyes. He told Moses his brother Aaron will help him speak to Pharaoh and provided the ten plagues over Egypt. I love this quote from J.K. Rowling that says, Rock bottom is a solid foundation where I rebuild my life. See, Moses was, Moses was at rock bottom, but that's where God used that as a foundation to pick him right back up for something great. It's just like when you play football, God gives you certain equipment so you can go out and run the play. You have your helmet, your chin strap, your mouthpiece, your shoulder pads, and your whole uniform just so you can go out and do what God calls you to do. Well, it's the same thing on Moses. God gave him his equipment so he can have with him when he goes and lives out the calling God called out for him. God used Moses' setback for something even greater. And though, and though Moses may have stumbled in the beginning, he did not fall for the Lord upheld him with his righteous hand. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, the curse of the Lord, plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God used Moses' setback to call him back for something great. When you have setbacks in your life, that's not God setting you aside or pushing you away. No, your setback is God set up for your comeback. God didn't forget about Moses when he sinned, so why would he forget about you? And you don't have to ask God if he loves you like Drake asked, Kiki, do you love me? Are you riding? No, you don't have to do that because God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for all of our sins. Now that's a real ride or die right there. I know I had a couple of setbacks in my life. When I was in high school, I, uh, I played football, and when you play football, there's a risk of getting injured every year. Well, unfortunately for me, I got hurt every year of high school. My freshman year, I dislocated my finger. My sophomore year of high school, I broke my left thumb, and I'm left-handed, so being in a cast for a month and a half is not fun. My junior year, I, I suffered a concussion, and it put me out two weeks. My senior year, I took another blow to the head, but thank God it was not another concussion. But after all those setbacks in my life, I came back to now having a couple of passing records in Terry history that will put me in the top ten, and those records are going to remain there forever. Through your setbacks in life, know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So when those setbacks come, don't get down or don't get discouraged because it won't compare to the comeback that God has for you in your future. So I'll leave you all with this. Your comeback is always stronger than your setback. Thank you.
Good morning, guys. I just love you guys so much. So today I want to talk to you about why it's important to not do life alone. And I love this particular story of Moses that illustrates this principle so well. It's found in Exodus 17, 8 through 16. Um, but the gist of it is Moses was attacked by the Amalekites. The Amalekites randomly attacked Moses and the Israelites. So then jo uh, Moses instructed Joshua to go grab a team of people and go lead them into battle. And in the meantime, Moses went up the hill with the staff of God. And he also called his boy over Aaron and her. So we'll pick up on uh, verse 11. He's, it says, whenever Moses would raise his hands, then Israel prevailed. But whenever he would rest his hands, then Amalek prevailed. And when the hands of Moses became heavy, they took a stone and put it under him. And Aaron and her held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other. And so his hands were steady until the sun went down. So Joshua destroyed Amalek and his army. So as you can see, the struggle was real for Moses. And just like Moses, we all face battles because life is hard and it's fierce. And the truth is we will always have battles in life. But this particular instance, Moses was literally caught in a battle with the Malachites. But think about it. What seemed to be such a simple task of him having to hold up the staff, it became so difficult over time. Now consider this. How hard is it for you to sit still for 15 minutes? Better yet, 45 minutes in service on a Sunday morning. <laughs> now imagine how Moses felt. But unfortunately, struggles in life and battles in life are much longer than a Sunday service. As a student, you're probably battling peer pressures and identity crisis. As a parent, you're probably battling stress or you question your purpose. As married couples, you probably battle miscommunication with one another, missed expectations, or probably even offense. Now, do you think that Moses would have been able to hold up the staff on his own had he not taken his friends up with him? Probably not, right? But I believe Moses understood something that was extremely valuable. He understood that where there is unity, there is victory. That's why he took his friends up the hill. So... That's why he took his friends up the hill, and then he also told his, his other friend, Joshua, go lead the battle. See, victory is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of power. See? And in verse 9, Moses says, I will stand at the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, keep in mind, the staff of God represented God's power. So the victory ultimately belongs to God, and that's why we fight from victory, not for victory. But all throughout the Bible, God uses people to accomplish his work. So Moses surrounded himself around friends and uh, people he knew he could count on that would have his back, that would hold his arms when he is weak, that would speak life and truth, and not just their truth, but God's truth. So if you don't have people in your life that are at the top of the hill with you, then chances are you will never win the war. So Solomon, the wisest guy to ever live, says it like this in Ecclesiastes. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. So there was a point in my life where I felt like I had to fight my battles alone. I would always reason and I would say, well, it's just me and you, God. You're all I need. And then I would also say, well, I don't want my loved ones to have to carry my burden too. But that was a lie from the pit of hell because God never designed us to do life alone. As a matter of fact, during this, during this season, I've really learned to appreciate that principle of not doing life alone. You know, it's been one of the most difficult seasons of my life. And I don't say that lightly. My mom has been battling sickness and doctors really can't determine what it is. They're not giving me any hope. They're saying it's this, they're saying it's that. So, of course, I felt defeated. I felt down and out. But thankfully, I have a tribe of people that are there for me, that are praying for me. 
they declared God's truth over me and over my situation. I couldn't even imagine what I would do if I didn't have them on my side. I probably wouldn't even be up here today. And some of you may be thinking, well, Joanna, I don't have any godly friends. All my friends are heathens and they just want to go to the club and get lit and twerk, you know. <laughs> well, lucky for you, today we launched small groups. Yes. We have over 80 uh, small groups to choose from. So get into a small group. And then I feel like some of you may be saying, well, I don't have any friends. I'm just too shy. I don't talk to anyone. We'll get into a small group. Some of you may be thinking, mm, no, I'm good. You guys are just way too crazy and it gets way too messy. Well, true, but at some level or another, we're all a little messed up, you know. And you will always, you will never get to see the miracle without the mess. The Bible says that Joshua and the army destroyed the, uh, the Amalekites in the battle. They didn't just win the battle. They didn't just almost make it or barely made it. No, they destroyed them. That's why who you have on your side matters. And what better people to do this life with than those of us who are running the same race, pursuing the same God, fighting the good fight. Remember, you can't live in victory if you go to battle alone. So join a small group, find your tribe, love them hard, and then watch as God unlocks the victory to your relationships. So show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So today I'm going to be talking about living qualified. You know, Moses is one of my favorite heroes in the Bible because he's so relatable. You know, we know about all of his successes, right? He freed the Jews, he defeated the Egyptians, and he led a nation towards the promised land. But Moses was disqualified himself very early on in his life. He believed that God would never use him because Moses was imperfect. Y'all, he made so many mistakes and he felt like he could never measure up, which is why I I believe he is so relatable because so many of us have allowed our mistakes to disqualify us from ever being used by God. So let's go to Exodus 2.12 where it tells the story of Moses killing a man. Y'all, he took a life. And if that doesn't define mistakes, then I don't know what does. And so when he found out, what, realized what he did and found out that other people knew about it and were judging him for it, he fled. He exiled himself to the wilderness. So you guys all know how that works. Y'all can relate to Moses, right? He made a mistake and instead of turning to God and repenting and saying, I'm going to keep moving forward, he said no and he looked at his mistake in the eyes of the world, which means that this is unforgivable. And so Moses believed the lies of the enemy that he could never even leave another person, better yet lead a nation because of the mistakes that he had already made. And how many of us have already done that as well? And so when Moses did this, he ended up fleeing to the wilderness. He exiled himself. And y'all, he didn't just go for like one or two days and let Pharaoh cool off. No, y'all, he left for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years thinking about his mistake, 40 years considering all that he had done and believing that God would never use him again. And how many of us have done that? How many of us have exiled ourselves because of the mistakes that we have made? And I love this quote from Levi Lusco when he says, so many of us will live until we are 75, but die at 25. Let that sink in. So what are the ways that you have disqualified yourself 
maybe you weren't so great at school and so you took that to mean that you just weren't smart enough. Or maybe you've been in so many broken relationships that you take that to mean that you are never going to be worthy of real love. Or maybe you're like me who had a baby out of wedlock at 20 years old. Y'all, I am passionate about this because I know, y'all, I have made mistakes, but I am here standing here right in front of you. I am living proof. That God, that your mistakes do not define you, God defines you. So when we make mistakes, we have two choices. We can either allow our mistakes to exile us or we can allow God to use us because of them. So here are two ways to live qualified even after you've made mistakes. The first one is trust the process. Do you know that it is easier to take people through obstacles when you've already run the same course? Maybe in the places where you've disqualified yourself, God is using that to help you teach you, train you, and equip you for what he has for your future. So you know what? I actually love that Moses exiled himself to the wilderness for 40 years because do you guys realize that when Moses exiled himself, his ultimate task would be to lead a whole nation through the wilderness, y'all. It all had purpose. God knew exactly what he was doing. And so when we are able to trust God in our inadequacies, it allows us to, get, to help other people trust God in those same places. You can't, go, you can't help other people make it through the wilderness if you don't go through it yourself. And I love what Pastor Jim says when he says, just give me one year, one year fully committed, giving your everything. Because you know that when you've given your all, then God will do something big. But he doesn't say one day. He says a year because it's a process. It takes time. you got to walk through it. So trust the process. And the second thing is respond to God when he calls. So in Exodus 3, 4, God comes to Moses in a burning bush. Now, I know that Moses had a choice because how many of you guys have seen a bush just miraculously combust? I have not because I know I would have been gone, y'all. I would have called 911 or the firefighters, but I am not going to be there, pour some holy water on it. I don't know, but I would not have stayed. I promise. But Moses did. He stayed. And he listened to God and responded. And he said, here I am, God. And he allowed God to connect with him. We have a choice when God calls. We can either run further into the wilderness or we can stop and we can say, here I am, God, and allow him to move in our life. And here is what I know, that God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the call. So wherever God's plan is in your life, you just have to know that he will give you everything that you need to accomplish it. So maybe you have been struggling with anxiety and you've disqualified yourself from even having a decent conversation, better yet, leading a small group. But I will tell you that when you take that step, God will meet you right where you are and he will give you everything you need. So all you need to do is just take the step. He will meet you in your inadequacies. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 5, because it says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything. Our qualification comes from God. And I love this quote from Holly Furtick when she says, the only prerequisite to being used by God is a willing heart and the willingness to take a first step. So when God calls your name, be like Moses. I'm telling you all that you are good enough. And I want each of you guys to walk out of here remembering that you are more than qualified. Come on, didn't they do a great job? Man. We love you guys.
Man, the church is in good hands, isn't it? It's in good hands. Good hands. You know, I was just thinking as they were speaking, that's our children's directors. That's our youth workers and youth director. And then, and then our small groups director. Uh, you know, you just look at it. You just, God is moving uh, and he's using everyone. Listen, whether you're young or old. I, I tell you, it was funny. This service ended last week and Phyllis and Reba and all my sweet ladies over here. I was talking about the different small groups and I was telling them, and she said, you better tell them that there's a great granny small group. That's right. Got my granny small group right there. And so I know you can look at this stage, and maybe you're a little bit older, and I just sense this. You're like, well, but I'm not, I'm not that age, or I'm not, you know, at the end of the day, I, we need you. So not everybody's called to this platform, but there is a place for you. And the truth is, I need you to mentor these young people. I need you to pour into them. We need... You know, at the end of the day, we don't, we don't just kick one generation out because we're raising up another. No, God is a multi-generational God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's the way I believe our church is. We need the older generation, the middle generation, and the young generation. It's the only way we pass on this baton of church. Otherwise, each generation has to try to figure it all out. And, and I don't want them to do that. And I know you don't either. It, isn't it going to be good one day when we're old and I'm 41? You know, I, I know i got a good 25, 24 more years, but, but I ain't going to do this forever. I mean, no, Phyllis is going to want me to retire one day, and I'm going to want her to. And I don't know that you ever retire, but wouldn't it be great to pass off a church? I, I don't even pretend to know the size or the locations or all that. What, what, what the goal would be, healthy church that's debt-free, that is raising up young leaders that are blazing the path, and we are seeing hell depopulated and heaven populated. That's the goal. It's not to build an empire with my name or any name. It's the only name we lift up is Jesus. He is the only name that is worthy of all of this. And, you know, I was thinking about Jolea. She's saying, you know, don't ever disqualify yourself and you know, they, they put this message together. I didn't write the message. You might think, well, that's good. You wrote it. No, no, I didn't write it. They came in and preached their hearts, and I tweaked a few things. And, but I got to tell you, I didn't have to tweak much. And when I heard Jolea's, I thought, you know, I wonder if there are people out there that feel a little disqualified. You know, you made some mistakes, and maybe you made some choices, or maybe it's missed expectations. God didn't do it the way you thought, and so now you're hurt, you're offended. And you're living in what we would call a wilderness, which is where you feel distant from God, distant from his purpose, distant from what you know you should be doing and where you should be. I want you to know today is a new day, that right now is a new beginning. It's God's making all things new. It's fresh. It's a new season. Like, like you've got to let go of the past and, and keep your focus, even as JB said, your focus has to be on the provision. It has to be on God. And everything else will take care of itself. And, and students, as you're going into a new year, listen, it's been four days, five days. Look, don't, don't allow this week, if it was a bad week, to set the pace for the rest of the year. You got a new week starting Monday. You know, you got a, it's, it's a fresh month. It's a, so, so we just constantly say, God, I'm not going to live disqualified. And whatever wilderness you find yourself in, I love what Jolea said. I actually hadn't even thought about it. That was Jolea really thinking through that. That God used him to lead the people through the wilderness he had lived in. I mean, think about that. Some of you think, well, this wilderness 
this wilderness. Like, God, why would you? How could you? What you're walking through has nothing to even do with you. It's the people God's going to use to deliver because of you. See, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And it's bigger than us. And, and I just want to pray over you. And then, and then I want you to get ready. There's some of you in this place. You've never committed your life to Christ. You've never had that moment where Jesus became the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you that moment in just a second after I pray this prayer. I want you to get ready. You're in this place and you can sense him and you can tell that, that God is in this place. I'm going to talk to you, but I want to pray over everyone first and then we're going to come back to that. God, I thank you for every person that may feel disqualified. God, I thank you that supernaturally you're working inside of them. Lord, I, I pray even as each one of the young communicators spoke, God, it spoke to me in a powerful way. That God, you would allow us to be infused with your truth today and to go out and to live it out tomorrow and after we leave this auditorium. And Lord, it's more than just a worship service. It's a, it's a worship experience, God, that we experience your power. Lord, I pray the past would, would be gone. I pray that you would remove the thoughts of failure and the shame and the guilt. That's not from you. That's the enemy. The enemy came to shame us and to guilt us and to condemn us, but you don't bring condemnation. Lord, you bring conviction and hope and love and peace and joy. And God, it, your, your word says it's your kindness that turns us to repentance. That God, you loved us so much that even in our mistake, you didn't leave us there, that you've been there and all we gotta do is turn to you. And Lord, there are some people here that have been stuck and I'm asking you to help them get unstuck. God, just right now in this moment, that the past is the past. It'll no longer be a prison, but it will be their platform. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, there are some of you here right now, you, you don't have a relationship with God. You've tried to do this thing called life on your own, and, and the truth is it hasn't worked out. And, and I want you to know it will never work out as long as you're in control of your life. You feel distant from God. Did you know the Bible says that our sin separates us from God. So that feeling of distance, that's, that's an accurate assessment. Unless you're a believer, there is a chasm between us and God. Now you can feel God and you can experience him, but you can't have the relationship, which is why God sent his son, Jesus Christ, on a rescue mission. So Jesus, all God, is sent to this earth. Now he's all God, all man. God gives his one and only son, the Bible says. It is his best to this world, to us, so that we would have another option, that we wouldn't have to go to hell. God never intended hell for you. He intended it for the devil and all the demonic spirits that rebelled against God from heaven. And so he sends Jesus to this earth to pay the price and the penalty for sin, which is death. And Jesus willingly gives his life away. It's the, it's the good news of the gospel. He, he is crucified on a cross. And Isaiah says his visage is marred more than any other person that's ever lived. So what does that mean? He was beaten. He was bruised. He was tortured. The son of God, all God, all man. And he did it so that you could have a relationship with his father, God. And the beautiful part of the story is Jesus is buried, but he didn't like the other gods. He ain't like Muhammad, the ones that are still in the grave. He ain't a Buddha on a shelf. He is alive and well and in heaven and in this place. And the power of it is he can be in our hearts. The Holy Spirit will fill us with all God. And the Bible says what we do is we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. That's found in Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if we confess Jesus, be my Lord, 
And I believe, God, you raised him from the dead. The Bible, salvation takes place. And I think there are some of you in this place right now, you're ready to give control of your life to God. You're ready to surrender it all. I want you to know you've come to the right place. If that's you, I wonder if you'd be bold enough in this moment. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. But I am going to ask you just to raise your hand. Just as a sign of surrender, just in this moment, you say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I'm, I'm the one. I, I, right now, this moment is for me. I see your hands. Yes, 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 yes. This is your moment. You just, God, right now, I surrender it all. I surrender it all. I surrender it all. Church, tell them how proud you are of them. Amazing. Yeah. So now I'm just going to lead us in this prayer and, and just be the one to articulate. Let's just say, Jesus, save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash away my past. Right now, I thank you for your free gift of salvation. I receive it. Change my life. Change my future. Change everything. I surrender it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, worship God this morning. Woo! Yes! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.